Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. And we're going to wrap up our series in this one called The Covenants of Promise. And boy, this has been such a good series. I've really enjoyed the study in this. And I have to tell you, I teach these things to you, but I learn from every one of these lessons. I see things I've never seen before, and that's the wonder of the Word of God. And by the way, if you're joining me today, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, be sure to press the like button and, and ring the bell because we'll send you notifications and you'll know immediately when a new episode is ready. And also go to myfaithroots.com and sign up there to get the free email devotional that we send out as a partner uh, to all of these messages. Now, I'm going to read something different today. This is a, a new opening verse. We've been, a re we've been reading Ephesians 2.12, but I'm going to start today with Galatians 3, beginning of verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. The curse of the law is different from the curse that fell on Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Uh, they're related, no doubt about it, but the curse of the law is found in Deuteronomy 28. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And that's a verse in Deuteronomy that if uh, a person is hanged on a tree, it's because they're cursed, and Jesus was hanged on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the reason that Jesus was able to redeem us is he was hanged on a tree. He who was innocent was treated like a cursed man, and he was cursed by the fullness of the curse of the law, and he redeems us from the curse of the law. Listen to this, Galatians 3.29, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, so the two things going on here, the positive and the negative, we are brought into the covenant family of Abraham to receive the blessing of Abraham, but we are protected from the curse of the law that came even on the seed of Abraham if they broke the commandments of the Lord. Now, God did not encumber Abraham with a wide body of commandments and ordinances. Uh, the Scripture makes it very clear that Abraham was justified before God by his faith. This is Genesis 15, 6. This is way before the law. And this is also before Abraham was told to be circumcised. He believed in the Lord, Genesis 15, 6, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So Abraham... Uh, was considered a righteous man just because he had faith. But God's dealing with Abraham began to lead him deeper into perfection and being more like God. Now listen to this. When Abram was 90 and 9 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Moffat's translation says, Live ever mindful of my presence. And here's the idea. The idea is if we are mindful of His presence, we're not going to commit sins. We're not going to fall off into sin. If you really are living with the idea that you are in the presence of God, that God is very near you, it really helps you to avoid temptation. Uh, now, later on, uh, Abraham's grandson, Jacob, is making a journey 
uh, to find a wife up in Padan Aram. And uh, God appeared to him in a, in a dream one night. And he gets up the next morning and he says, Genesis 28, 16, Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. Now what does this say about Jacob? It says that Jacob was not fully aware of God's presence yet. Abraham eventually came to the point where he lived all the time in the presence of God. He knew he was in the presence of God. Jacob thought that God came and went. And he said, God was in this place. I didn't know it. Well, God's everywhere. So Jacob didn't have that revelation yet of God. When you're mindful of God's presence, it's easier to resist temptations. Now, here's what happens. Jacob's family would eventually grow. He gets 12 sons. They become known as the 12 tribes of Israel. And you can read that there, there are some pretty rotten characters in that family of 12. So as they grew and multiplied into a nation, and now instead of just 12, there are hundreds of thousands of them, in order for them to get along with each other, in order for there to be borders, boundaries, in order for there to be some form of community and civilization, they had to have laws. Galatians 3.19. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. In other words... The Bible says in the book of Galatians that God gave the law of Moses to his covenant people and the law would be in force until the seed came. The seed would be Christ. And when Christ would come, he would make it so that we do not have to observe every little jot and tittle in the law to be right with God or that we're not governed by it every day because when you have Christ, you want to please God. Again, you're back to Abraham. He was a friend of God. He lived in the presence of God. And so it was not necessary that he have all of these laws, rituals, and ordinances. Doesn't mean he was not a man of principle. Doesn't mean that he lived in wicked sin. He didn't want to do those things. There's, it would have been insulting for God to have told him, don't do this or don't do that or don't steal. He would never have done that. God knew the kind of person that he was. And that's what happens with you and me. We come into a relationship with God where we don't want to do those things. I, I was blown away when I got saved. I didn't want to do the things I did before. And the crazy thing was I wanted to go to church. I wanted to hear more about my relationship with God. The Bible says we become new creatures. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. Now, when this law was given in Deuteronomy 28, Moses was inspired by God to articulate, and I'm going to say it like that, articulate a curse 54 verses of curses. And this is where it begins, Deuteronomy 28, and it goes all the way to the end of the chapter. But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments, not just most of them, all of them, and His statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And so there are 54 verses of these, and they're heartbreaking. I mean, absolutely heartbreaking. And uh, 
they can be summed up and put in three categories. If you wanted to line them all up and put them in three different categories, you could have it category poverty, abject poverty. You lose everything you own. Sickness, I mean, you suffer dreadfully physically. And then death. And the death is not just uh, physical death eventually, but it's separation from God. And it's the heartbreak of being separated from God. And that's what the curses are. Now, Israel broke these laws and they broke them to the uttermost, and two times they were removed and carried away from their land. Two times their temple was destroyed, and they were driven out of the land. And now what we've seen in our lifetime since 1948, they have begun to return to the land. But they were driven out for almost 2,000 years. Now, this is what you must know about this. These laws and these curses were already at work. They were already in the world. I want to read to you from the book of Romans, the fifth chapter, and pay very careful attention to this because so many people have a, 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 an inaccurate view of God, His character, His love, His goodness. Listen to this. When Adam sinned, Romans 5.12, sin entered the entire human race. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. Now, this is not just physical death. It is complete and utter separation from God. That's what death is. And because man was completely separated from God, God's the source of life, and He's the source of goodness. There was no divine energy, no divine character to cause men to be good. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given. And though there was no law to break since it had not yet been given, they all died anyway, even though they did not disobey an explicit, explicit commandment of God like Adam did. What a contrast between Adam and Christ who was yet to come, and what a difference between our sin and God's generous gift of forgiveness for this one man, Adam, brought death to many through his sin, but this other man, Jesus Christ, brought forgiveness to many through God's bountiful gift. Now, this is so very important to, to, to understand. The laws of sin and death were present before the law of Moses was ever given. People were already suffering under the effects of sin when God gave Moses the law. When God articulated this series of curses in Deuteronomy chapter 28, those curses were already working. They're already there. People are already experiencing the curse of the law. It's just that the law had never been articulated. All right, now, the best way for me to explain this is to take you back to the discovery of the law of gravity uh, by Sir Isaac Newton. Now, really, he didn't discover gravity because people knew about gravity. They may not have known what to call it. And they may not have known how gravity behaved. They may have had many uh, misconceptions about gravity. But Newton articulated the law of gravity so people could wrap their minds around it better. Now, I want you to think about it like this. Nobody in the villages nearby said, okay, boy, we can't jump off buildings again because... 
Newton has discovered the law of gravity. <laughs> they were hurt when they jumped off buildings before and after Newton articulated the law of gravity. It was already there. They just understood more about what it was and how it worked. And so the law of sin and death was already working in the human race before God ever gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. God just laid out, these are the things I want you to do, and by doing these things, you will avoid the suffering that the whole of humanity is going through because they break these laws. And it was not some way that God wanted to punish the world and just say, look, I, I, I just want to boss you around. I want you to understand you're going to do it my way or you're going to suffer. That isn't what was going on. Man had already brought his own suffering on his own head by submitting to a new master. Now, we'll get into that in a minute, but let's read this. Romans 2, 14. Even when Gentiles or heathen, non-Jews, who do not have God's written law, don't know a thing in the world about the, the different commands of the law, don't know the Ten Commandments. They instinctively follow what the law says. They show in their hearts they know right from wrong. Now get a load of that. The Bible says that the law of God is written even in the heart of the heathen. The person's never even heard the Word of God preached. I know a lot of people say, well, I don't know about the Bible. It's unfair. How would God judge people who've never even had a chance to hear? Well, I'll tell you how He judges people who've had, never had a chance to hear. The very laws of God that people break are contained in their hearts. They already know them. They know it's wrong to commit adultery. They know it's wrong to steal. And they have already found out the hard way that any society who breaks these laws brings upon it suffering. They bring upon them. They've learned that when children disobey their parents, it's a bad thing. You don't have to be a Jew under the Ten Commandments to know that honoring parents is a good thing for young people to do. And so these laws are not here to boss us or narrowly constrict us to a, a, a way that God wants us to live. They are here for our good. And if you break them, they're going to hurt you. It's just like the law of gravity. You jump off the rooftop, you're going to get hurt. So when God says, don't jump off the rooftop, is he being mean? No. When God says, don't do this or don't do that, is he being restrictive? No. He's actually freeing you. Now... Where is the meanness coming from? Where is the evil coming from? Where is the suffering coming from? When Adam sinned, he didn't just disobey God. He didn't just do the opposite of what God told him to do. He did another thing altogether. Adam obeyed another being. He obeyed Satan. Satan, the god of this world, became Adam's master. And it was then that death came into the world. It was then that all of the evil came in. And the suffering comes not because God sent the Ten Commandments around the world and all of a sudden when people broke them, that terrible things happened to them. The terrible things were happening before the Ten Commandments were ever heard. There were thousands of years that passed before God gave the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments opened man's eyes to the ideas that these are the things that cause suffering. Remember, the new Lord was what? Death. Death reigned 
over everybody from Adam to Moses, even over people who had never committed the sin that Adam committed. Wow. And so here's where the whole human race was in trouble. Back to this text we've read every day in this series, Ephesians 2.12. You had no connection with Christ. You were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. You were outside God's covenants and the promise that comes with them. In other words, there was nothing to protect you from this onslaught of evil. You were not under the channel of blessing that God had sent to the earth. But because of God's great love for you and for me, He sent Jesus to this earth, and essentially what Jesus did, He suffered in His passion everything that you could suffer in Deuteronomy 28, verses 15 to the end of the chapter. He was cursed with the curse of the law, completely separated, cut off from God. That's why he cried out. And this is what broke his heart more than anything. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what he was doing is quoting a verse in Psalm 22, which would have led anyone nearby who understood the word to go to Psalm 22 and read what it said. And Psalm 22 is highly descriptive of the redemption that Christ wrought for us. It's what he was to do to save us. And so he was calling attention to his suffering, and he was saying, this is why I'm suffering. I'm suffering to redeem you. And so the good news is Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. I know it's depressing. It's 54 verses of rotten things. But you ought to read it. You ought to go to Deuteronomy 28 and read verses 15 through the end of the chapter. And as you read that, think about this. Christ has redeemed you from every last one of those curses. He wants to save you from that suffering in order that the blessing of Abraham may come upon you. Abraham is your channel. And God loved you so much, he brought you into this family. Wow. I am so glad that I've had a chance to teach this. Maybe we'll come back to another edition of the Covenants of Promise because there is so much good stuff in the blood covenant relationship we have with God. Well, don't miss the next series. We'll get into that soon. And if you haven't already, be sure to go to MyFaithRoots.com and sign up for the free email devotional that comes with these messages. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time.